Again, welcome to Jesus Unfiltered, week number five. If you haven't been here through weeks one through four, we've unpacked three of Jesus' different I am statements, sections of scripture, four different I am statements that he made, unfiltered truths from being the bread of life to, to being the light of the world to being the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, and him being the gate. And over the next few weeks, we're going to actually turn to to Jesus last night before he died, and two final I am statements that he made, which is the setting and stage that I want you to put yourself in. Like literally Jesus, less than 24 hours before he breathes his last, has the opportunity of a lifetime to speak to the people perhaps closer to him than anyone else. The 11 disciples that were left in that upper room most likely at this point, Maybe a few others were uncertain, but, but these were the people that Jesus hung with, rolled with, spent time with, invested in, and loved. And he knew what was about to happen, and he knew ultimately where he was going, and he knew he wouldn't be with them much longer. So if that was you, what would you say? Like literally, if you knew that in... 12, 18 hours from right now, this moment, you were going to breathe your last, you were going to no longer live, and you're surrounded by the people that you love, or maybe you aren't, and you'd reach out to them, who would it be, and, and what would you say? Like, what words would you choose, what things would you focus in on in your conversations? My guess is you probably wouldn't be as unfiltered as Jesus was. Like if it was me and I wanted to spend some time in those last few moments sharing words, sharing encouragement to my wife or to my kids, I'm guessing I probably wouldn't go unfiltered and, and go back to how bad my kids were at certain points in their life and, and how they maybe backed the car into the garage door or wrecked the car way too many times or how they disobeyed me over and over again, I, I probably wouldn't be unfiltered even though it would be true, right? You horrible kids, how could you have done all those things to me all those many years ago? I probably wouldn't have done the same with my wife if I had a final few moments and words and things I could share with her. I, I don't think I'd go there to all the, the areas where, where maybe I thought she missed the mark and she wasn't such a perfect wife and perfect mom. Well, she was pretty high up there on the list. I know she might be watching today, so I want to... I probably would choose those words with great intent and, and might guard some of them, right? I definitely know one thing I would do. I, I, I want to impart something, share something with them to encourage them in the relationship with God. Like, I'm no longer going to be here and I want you to be there. And that's what Jesus literally chose to do with with some of his final words. And that's what I want you to see to today and then next week as we unpack these final two I am statements of Jesus. I want you to know their context and their setting. Like John 14, John 15, his last ones, we're going to do the other one next week. Jesus literally with his disciples, with those closest to him, he's no longer with the crowd. Like all the other I am statements so far have been addressed in a public setting with Pharisees, religious leaders, other people, 
But not these ones. These were spoken directly to to believers, to followers, to his disciples, the ones who were going to lead the church going forward. And so Jesus' words are some of the most important, perhaps, and powerful words those men would have ever heard because their lives were about to be forever changed. And so as we hear them, as we listen to them, I, I pray that you take them to heart. Like the things Jesus spoke to them were not just meant for them, but for you and for me. And John chapter 15 is, is one of those sections of Scripture that, that Jesus definitely is unfiltered, but for good reason. So let's dig into it. Let's unpack it. And in order for you to see it in context, I want to read all the verses for you at once, verses 1 through 9. And as I'm reading them, I want you to notice two things about this I am statement. His last one, uh, one spoken on Maundy Thursday, I want you to look for the word, the key thought, the main message, the thing Jesus is trying to hammer home. Like, you know when someone says the same thing over and over and over and over times two, like eight times you're going to see it in the NIV. Again, it must be important. What does Jesus want his disciples, want you and me still today to remember, cling to, and hold on to. And then the second thing, not just look for what is that word, what is that that main message of Jesus, but what's different about this one than the other ones that you've heard so far? So with those two things in mind, let's listen to Jesus unfiltered. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. Like if I had put this in front of you on the bulletin, you could see all the words. I'm guessing you would catch it, just like when we read it, and I tried to emphasize it. I mean, Jesus unfiltered the night before he died, You know, he was talking to men who've heard him talk over and over and over again, and yet eight times in the English and about five times in the Greek, but the understanding as it was translated accordingly up on the screen, Jesus hammers home this key word, this key truth, remain. Remain. Remain in me. Remain. Just like I remain in you, Jesus, the true vine, can't be taken away, won't disappear, won't wither, because that's what the vine, the true one, is all about. Jesus calls you and me, tells us to remain, just as he promises he'll do the same in kind. Remain. 
Literally, the Greek word meno, remain, means to abide, to, to stay, to be in a place. Like some of you who are a little older maybe had a grandparent or you've heard the phrase, the old English phrase, our happy abode. Like the, the place where you live is your abode. That's literally what the word meno means, to make your dwelling place. And Jesus literally looking his disciples in the eyes and he knows that they're going to go from city to city. They're not going to stay in Jerusalem. They're going to go into all the world. He's not telling them to, to remain in Jerusalem. He's not telling them to, to go and remain in Rome. He, he's literally tell, telling them to remain in him, a person. The promises. All that Jesus is as the vine, he says, I need you, want you, am calling you out to do just that. Abide, stay, be in place, right here, reside in me. So that's really unfiltered truth number one. Jesus wants to leave no question about it. It's really as Maundy Thursday non-negotiable for the disciples and for you and me. Remaining is a must. Remaining is a must. I want you to have that in mind. I want you to see that because we're going to unpack that in just a little bit. That Jesus hammered it time and time again, came back to it multiple times in this section. It, it, it's a non-negotiable, it, it, it's needed, it's a must. And alongside of that, the other question I asked you was, what's different about this one than the other ones? And Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and you are the yeast. Nope, didn't say that. Like, there's no you in the bread of life conversation. It's just him. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he doesn't say, and you are my moons. Nope, doesn't go there. And when Jesus says, I am the gate, he doesn't say, you're the grease that makes the hinge work a little bit better. No, there's no you in any of those others. It's all I, it's all Jesus. But if you caught it in this one, it's very clear back and forth, this, state, this statement is not just an I thing, but it also is a you thing, which is an important thing. And when you hear me say that, I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not equating Jesus and the true vine and you, the branches, as equal. <laughs> okay? Like, one definitely matters way more than the other. One is definitely far more important than the other. And the I is far more important than the you. Got it? Good. I think we all can accept that. And what that means, as we unpack this for just a second, I'm going to say something, because I think Jesus is saying it. There's an I and a you. There's a part of the you that is required to do. But here's what I'm not saying about that. You have nothing to do with being connected to the vine. God did that. That's the Holy Spirit who did that. Like, point number one, understand that. Like the fact that you are a branch is all God's doing. Power of the Holy Spirit, maybe in the waters of baptism, maybe through the word of God shared with you by someone else. That's all God, no you. Second thing, as the branch, you might produce some amazing, beautiful fruit. You get no credit for that. God gets all the credit for that too. Like as great as you are and as loving as you are to your spouse or as kind as you are to your neighbor, as you first as you've been living over the last 
several months in your relationships. God caused that. The Holy Spirit did that. The fruit that you produced, you might want to pat yourself on the back, but God gets the glory for that. Now that I've said those things, understand this. When it comes to remaining, there is a part that involves you. Like God has called us to faith. God has brought us to faith. God is the one who strengthens our faith, and God is the one who produces fruits of faith. And yet you and I have a choice along the way that is a part of remaining. And that's why I think Jesus hammered this home and wanted you and I to know that it's a must. Why it's a must and how we do it. So what I want you to hear in Jesus' words as we go on. And here's why number one to it being a must. Remember, Jesus said, you can't do this without me. I kind of emphasize that, John 15, verse 4. Outside of being connected to Jesus, you, you cannot bear any fruit. It's essential, it's a must, it's non-negotiable. If we do, as we do, he will do what he promises he does. Like, that can't change. Which I think is why we have to go to this place first about why remaining is a must. You're filling in your blanks, here it is. I'll just give it to you, straightforward. Remaining is hard. Remaining is hard. I think Jesus went there on this night because he knew where Judas was on his way to. Like Jesus called Judas to be one of his disciples. At, at some point, Judas was connected, a branch in the vine. And at some point, he stopped remaining. Like the words of Jesus got trumped by the, the thoughts of his brain and the greed of his heart. And instead of remaining, he chose a different path. And I have to have, or at least I believe, I have reason to think that as Jesus is saying this to the eleven and Judas was no longer there, that he had Judas on his mind. Because he had done everything and anything to reinforce the truths of who he was and what he came to do and how he wanted it for all, but Judas chose a different road and didn't remain. See, Jesus knows it's hard and that not everyone will do it. He knows that temptation will cause some people to succumb and sadly when they do, they'll, they'll despair and run in the wrong direction. He doesn't want that for you. Like none of us can remain perfectly, so when we fall, Jesus wants us to understand and know the, the truths of God's word and be more like Peter, who no doubt Jesus also had on his mind that night. Like Peter, the one who had said, I'll never do it, I'll never betray you, I'll never deny you, and then did. Because instead of remaining in Jesus and relying on his strength, he relied on Peter the rock and his strength and pride and, and fell. Remaining is hard because temptation is real. Remaining is hard. And Jesus knew that was in the future of the disciples, the persecution they would face. Like, would you remain? If the Romans arrested you, put you in jail, would you remain bold and, and proud to declare the name of Jesus or would you cower 
and recant. Remaining is hard in a world where persecution is real, where Christian faith is challenged, where we sometimes choose the crowd versus the cross. Remaining is hard. Even as a Christian who who knows God's word, hears God's word, and follows through with God's word, because you know what God does as you hear his word and you follow through on his word and you come back to his word? He slowly but surely, through his word and and his commands and and the things he calls you to do, he does the tough work of, of cutting away the imperfections. That's what is also really hard about remaining. Like God says it, remember Jesus' own words, I'm the true vine, my father's the gardener. He cuts off the branches that bear no fruit, but branches that do bear fruit, Christians, ones who remain, he prunes. Like, I don't think any of you would prune your rose bushes or your trees or the other things that you work on in your garden if every time you did, the bushes, the trees, and the branches yelled in pain. Oh, goat! Because it hurts. It's... It's done for a reason, though. Like, you cut away the bad. Sometimes you have to cut away the the thing that's overgrowing and too much for the the rest of it to handle so that it can produce more fruit, better fruit. Like, those of you who are real gardeners, don't let me touch a single thing in your garden because I will not just prune, I will weed whack it all away because I want nothing growing. Just kidding. But those of you who are really good at it, you prune it, like the rose bush that you prune and you plant and it comes back and comes back and comes back and comes back and it's like a a beautiful masterpiece. God wants you to be a beautiful masterpiece, but it doesn't come without pain. Like his pruning, his cleansing, the things that he works on you through his word are hard, like sacrificing self, like putting others first, like submitting to God's word, saying no to the crowd, carrying a cross, like those things are not easy, they're hard. And my friends, Jesus, unfiltered Jesus knew that. And yet he knew in the midst of even saying that, that this next truth was was real and valid. Like remaining is hard and remaining is must. Because he understood that remaining matters. That's why. Like did you catch it the back and forth with all the remaining that Jesus said, with all the, the fruit that Jesus talked about? The part that you don't much like to hear is about the fire. Like Jesus said, remaining matters because for you and for me, it's either fruit now and for eternity or fire. Like if you're not remaining in the vine, if you are not connected to Jesus, when you breathe your last breath, if, if you are disconnected like, like Judas, what God does at the end of time cuts you off, throws you into the fire. Like if you're not remaining in Jesus, For eternity, you will not be connected to Jesus. Like Jesus understood the night before he died, his disciples needed to understand that remaining matters. It's a matter of life and death, spiritually, eternally, fruit or fire. Which I think is the the crazy tension and struggle that that most of you are here because some of you are newbie Christians and you're probably going, Oh my goodness, this is scary. But if you've been a Christian for all, you know this. 
But I think I'm going to challenge you to, to think what Jesus had on his heart. Was that the on-again, off-again faith that so many people have is so deadly and dangerous. Like to believe that you can remain at certain times, but take your Jesus hat off at other times. Like where it could lead. I, I think part of Judas felt like that. And look where it got him. Like maybe in, in your life of faith, right now, you think you're remaining, but you're not. Like Judas on the outside, the disciples didn't see it, right? They said, oh, he's going off to buy some groceries. And Jesus knew, no, he was going off to, to sell his soul. Like Judas looked good on the outside, like a, a healthy branch, but on the inside, he was dead and withering. Like it maybe, just maybe, you're putting on a good show right now and you're not remaining. Like you, you showed up today because your wife made you or your kids asked you or you know Pastor Jim's going to be sending a text message if you don't check in and didn't show up because we care about you. I, I want you to wrestle long and hard. Jesus, unfiltered in the faces of his disciples, made the bold declaration, it matters because it's a matter of life and death for you. Like, this is not Pastor Tim making this up to scare you. This is Jesus being unfiltered and honest. Remember again, he said, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Like, I know you people in Wisconsin love to cut back your trees and like to cut some of them down and, and stockpile them in a big burn pile and go out and have a party around it. Like, we call those things fun in Wisconsin, that's not fun. And Jesus takes your eternity very seriously. Remain in me. So are you remaining? Maybe right now you're, you're struggling and you're saying, I'm on again, off again sometimes, Pastor Tim. I am too. That's the beautiful thing about the true vine and the gardener. Like just like Peter, when, when he fell and failed, he, he didn't run into stare, but he ran back because he knew what the true vine spiritually promises to give us nourishment, forgiveness for sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. The word prune literally means to cleanse. Because of Jesus, the true vine, because we're connected to him, we get the life-giving forgiveness and cleansing that only he can offer Go forward knowing that you are forgiven, that you are loved by God. The fruit he longs for you to have is peace and hope and eternal life because he offers that and alone can give that. Remaining matters because it's a matter of life and death, but Jesus, the true vine, is the life giver. Which is why I want to remember this last truth. Remaining from Jesus' perspective is so worth it. Like he said these words, he reminds us of these words, that wherever, whatever, no matter what comes up, a believer who remains in him, here's the how. Look at these final words. Uh, uh, no, go back to the passage of, there you go. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you want to know how to remain? Be a person, a believer, a follower who's in the word. Be in the means of grace. Celebrate your baptism every day. Later today, in a few minutes, Receive the Lord's Supper with, with great joy because you know what you're actually being connected to? 
the living true vine of Jesus, his very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Like remaining it is so worth it because of what we get and what he gives and all that it means, not just right here, right now, but for eternity. Remain in me and my words remain in you. When you do that, no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you because a believer who's remaining in Jesus, who's digging into his word, who's hearing his promises, who knows his teaching will have requests that line up with the word of God. And you know what Jesus will do when you make requests that line up with his word for more hope, more peace, more wisdom, more joy? He'll do it. He'll bring it. He will never fail. The true vine will give you the nourishment you need. This is to my Father's glory. It's so worth it remaining because you know what happens when we remain, when fruit is produced? God gets praised. Others see Jesus. They ask questions. Like, to God be the glory. It shows us to be his disciples. And the greatest of all is the last one, is the Father has loved me. Jesus knew the love of the Father. Jesus said, I love you. And because the Father loves me and I love you, if you remain in me, you know what you get from me? The amazing love of God the love the Father had that sent, the love of Jesus that went, the love of the Holy Spirit who, who brought you to know the amazing love of God. And when you read 1 Corinthians 13, it's not just about marriage, it's about relationships. And when it says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. You know why the greatest is love? Because when it comes to God, his love never fails. It won't fail now, it won't fail tomorrow, and it won't fail in eternity. It will bring you home. Remaining, my friends, is so, so worth it. Which is why I want to give you this action step. Like Jesus, the night before he died, used his last words, I think in a way that I would want to use mine. At least I hope I would. Like if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, I think the things I would want to say to my wife and to my kids and my grandkids would be, Remain in Jesus. Like, I know where I'm going, and, and I want you to be there too. And he's the only way that that can happen. Apart from me and him, you can do nothing. And while I think I would definitely talk to them in that last hour, like if today was my last hour, the thing I'd want you, my friends, to know is that the one who laid down his life for his friends, for you and for me, would want you to live out this truth and apply this takeaway. Jesus said remaining is a must. 922 it, remaining rooted for you and for me is a must. Like it's a must for your home. If you want to have a stronger family life, devotional life, come to the Solid Ground presentation by Pastor Bill. You will not be disappointed. If you want to have stronger roots and you're wondering how to get them right now, Monday through Sunday, seven days a week, our private group on Facebook, Church Online, helps you stay rooted, encourages you in it. Check it out. Sign up today. You won't be disappointed. If you're looking for a reading plan, we produce one three times a year. Remain rooted in Jesus. Read through his word. You will not be disappointed. You will get more hope, more joy, more peace. Your family will be blessed. Remaining rooted, it matters, and it is a must. And I want that for you, my church family. Because Jesus wants that for you because you're a part of his family. And the Apostle Paul got it. He got the branch part. Like the vine is the be-all, the end-all. It's, it's the only reason we have hope and life and nourishment. But he said to the branches, 
Here's where you're involved. Continue to live your lives in him. You've been rooted and received Jesus from God. You didn't get, you had nothing to do with being connected, but continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthen the faith as you were taught. Remaining is a must and it is hard, but it matters. And Jesus wants you to remain, which is why I would encourage you to remain rooted. May God bless you as you are, and may we as a church bless you in any way we can. The night before he died, that's what he said. For you and for me, people that he loves because he wants us to be with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you connected us to the vine through the means of grace. We thank you in just a moment. We're going to be literally fed your very body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, help us remain rooted. And to remain rooted, we have to remain people of the word, in the word, not just visibly on the outside, but connected spiritually. So I pray for our church and our church family with that.